0: Is Donald Trump actually about to jump the shark? This is the Balance of Power Roundtable, part of the Beyond Politics podcast, wherever you get your podcast, and on the Blue Amp channel on YouTube. I'm Matt Robison, your host, coming at you up the center lane of American politics. And to my left, not so far left, he's on the left, is former U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes. And to my right is conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant Alicia Preston. I am gonna hit you guys with my little pet political theory but I'm going to do that in a minute. First, I have got to read you. i just got to read you the description of what befell the campaign rally when a revenge-hungry Trump took the stage to blast his enemies. This is from Politico. The Texas-based rally left many Republican observers shaking their heads about the return of what Mike Pence's aides once dubbed Crazy Town. At the top of the rally, organizers played justice for all a song performed by those imprisoned for storming the Capitol on January 6th, which features a Trump voiceover reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. On a massive screen for the crowd to see, images of the rioters trying to break in and overturn the 2020 election showed while the music played. 1970s rocker Ted Nugent derided Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky, a hero in eyes of most of the world and the father of two children with his wife Elena, it's a homosexual weirdo. Okay. This leads me to ask you guys the question. This is my new little pet theory. In the 1970s, when television shows ran out of steam, they had to reach for increasingly big stunts to maintain the audience's attention. The acme of all of this was happy days, where they had the funds literally jumping over a shark in order to Arrange a stunt that would be like, oh, look, you've got to see this. It's the Fonz on a motorcycle jumping over a shark. That's where the phrase jumping the shark comes from. It's not meaning go crazy. It means I'm doing a stunt because I'm out of ideas for how to engage the audience's attention. You see this kind of thing when people are addicted to drugs. They need bigger and bigger hits in order to get the dopamine hit. And so now you have Donald Trump, the quintessential reality TV star. If he has one thing in his life, it's an instinct for how to maintain an audience through outrageous stunts that play well on TV. Is that what we're seeing here, guys? Is Donald Trump actively in the process of jumping the shark because his old act has worn thin, and he needs to get increasingly crazy.
1: I think this is just the beginning for him of the 2024 campaign. We're going to see stunts that will give us endless pleasure for until from now until election day, because frankly, he's going to be the nominee.
0: But that's my point. That's my point is that we know, and he's talked about this on the record, that what Donald Trump does at these rallies is he tests out material. He's like a stand-up comic and he sees what resonates and what doesn't. And he uses that as feedback, and he's constantly fine-tuning his act. And I think that what this is a signal of is, we could dismiss this. I think that this is a signal of he's testing out new material. And what he's finding is he has to go further and further because his audience has gotten inured to all the old stuff.
2: I'm not sure. I think of Jumping the Shark, with happy days. And I actually remember that episode. That's more of an act of desperation. You've lost your audience. And you take this desperate act to try regain them or get a new one. I don't think that, I think it's more nefarious what's going on here. I think you're right about new material and trying it out, but here's the thing. What does Donald Trump feed off of? His fuel is adoration, right? What do those that adore him feed off of? Hate. And like your analogy with drugs, the more you consume, the more you need. So Donald Trump needs to spew Mm -hmm. more and more hate and divisiveness and anger to keep those adorers hyped up. This is a little philosophical. My mother was very philosophical. I can't say I'm at that level, but she always taught us if the word hate came out of our mouth or we expressed hate, she would go, what did Shakespeare teach us? And we finally figured it out. She'd eventually tell us as we get older, Shakespeare taught us hate consumes the hater. And... In college, when I took Shakespeare courses, I realized, what, I finally figured out what she was saying, because it does. You look at Macbeth, you look at any of Shakespeare's teachings, even a bunch of his sonnets, he's teaching you that if you hate, it's actually consuming you. Hate has become, instead of something we all should reject, a fuel, a fuel for a man who wants to, again, be president of the United States of America. And people are embracing it. I don't get it. I just wasn't Alicia, raised that way.
0: I just, I love the way you just raised the level of this program by invoking Shakespeare. Is Donald Trump about to be King Lear? Because think mm. about it, right? You mm-hmm. he, he could go through the process of looking for the adoration mm. of his the children that he acknowledges, like not the others, right? But like he could go to Ivanka and be like, tell me why I'm the best. And then he could go to Don Jr. Tell me why I'm the best. Once you've come down off your coke high. And Eric, tell me why I'm the best, but I know you have to use small words. And after all of that, and after they throw him overboard, which they will do because they're all horrible people, he will rediscover the love of Tiffany. And he'll go back. All right, Alicia, I promised I was going to ruin your day. Can I yes. ruin your day? Yes. This is going to be great. I'm going to read you another paragraph from the New York Times. In the last 28 months, Trump has been voted out of the White House impeached for his role in the Capitol riot and criticized for marching many of his fellow Republicans off the electoral cliff in the 2020 midterms, 2022 midterms, with his drumbeat of election fraud lies. He dined at home with a white supremacist, called for the termination of the Constitution, embraced the QAnon conspiracy theory movement, described President Vladimir v. Putin of Russia as a genius, and used a gay joke to mock a fellow Republican. He's become the target of four criminal investigations. Still, Mr. Trump remains a strong frontrunner for the Republican Party's 2024 presidential nomination. I'm sorry, Alicia, you didn't deserve that, but I just- I
2: didn't, that was harsh, bro. <laughs> that was... Okay, that was harsh. low blow,
0: low blow. I'm sorry, you know what? The facts have a well-known liberal bias. I just Do you ever go find a pillow in your house and scream into it for a few minutes? Like,
2: how do you deal with this? So fun fact, I literally- At 49 years old, I have so many stuffed animals. And yesterday I had a bad day. My daughter went and got me a Dumbo stuffed animal because the only way to deal with this nonsense of today's world and the hate is to surround yourself, surround yourself by fuzzy, happy memories of plush things as a child. Donald Trump has driven me there. I think he's driven all of us. He shifted
0: the Overton window.
2: We've gotten to the point of... And I think we discussed this last week, like if we look where we were with political discourse and what was acceptable in public discussions and what was acceptable to even be on a candidate stage 20 years ago versus where we are today, we wouldn't believe it. But it was this kind of fast progress that became more acceptable, that became acceptable, then this becomes acceptable. And here we are. We got a former president of the United States saying there's going to be death and destruction if I'm indicted. That's calling for death and destruction as far as I'm concerned. And people are like, okay, let's go rally.
1: What we've seen in the 21st century is the acceleration of change that is very hard for humans to adapt to. And what we've got is fear of change. When you combine fear of change with lust for power, you get the road to authoritarianism and divisiveness. And that's what we are in the grips of. So in the context
0: of... The paragraph I just read. I want to circle back to what's dominated the analyst coverage over the weekend, which was this question of first, is Ron DeSantis about to fizzle? Chatter was that DeSantis is, for all of the Fox News talking him up, trying to put a thumb on the scale for him in a brutal Daily Beast op ed, the conservative columnist Matt Lewis wrote that even though DeSantis had stacked the deck in his own favor in Florida, given himself the easiest possible environment to protect himself, he's created a bubble. And as he gets out of his comfort zone, he's just being revealed as being out of his league. He is not able to step up his game to the Trump level. Alicia What are you seeing? You monitor these candidates. They're the ones contending for your vote. Is DeSantis not ready for prime time?
2: don't agree with that. I think, you know, the idea that you have to work or play in the playground of donald trump in order to win i think is a flawed concept i don't think you should i think you try to out hate donald trump number one you lose number two you shouldn't be out hating anybody in order to achieve the presidency there's a new poll out one in iowa one in new hampshire by axios it is not funded by any candidate just for republican interests and DeSantis is ahead of trump by eight points in iowa and tied in new hampshire um this isn't for this isn't 2020 election cycle, where Donald Trump was a shiny new hateful thing, there are a lot of Republicans who are done with it. There are a lot of Republicans who have woken up from a fog. And right now, and I'm not saying it is the answer, but right now for a lot of Republicans, DeSantis is the answer. He's a little bit like Trump. He's a little bit tough, He's but he's, he doesn't push that limit. Now, I'll also say, free advice, Governor DeSantis, if you guys haven't seen the interview he did with Piers Morgan, for the first time I said to myself, I like this guy. He was human. He was talking about his wife and family. And I'm going, that guy is a guy I can support much more than the guy at the press conferences. And so team DeSantis, get that guy out there. Cause I now believe that's the real him. And this tough guy, Trump light is not going to win. Shouldn't win. And doesn't appear to be him.
0: Paul, you have had a inside access position as a member of Congress. You have had this kind of front row seat. And what Alicia is speaking to is the difference between someone who is ready and knows what's coming. There's a playbook there. They're a little bit seasoned. And someone like a Rick Perry, a Fred Thompson, a Scott Walker, who was there was a toe dip in the water from the national media. Ooh, this is the guy. And they seem like, wow, well, this is from central casting in Republican circles. And then they totally crashed and burned. So Given that front row perch that you've had over the years, where do you see it? Is is DeSantis lining up like another Rick Perry, or is he forewarned and forearmed and maybe better able to take on Donald Trump? Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
1: DeSantis could learn from Chris Sununu, maybe I better come off as a nice guy, even though I represent the pathological wing of the Republican Party. After all, DeSantis, as the New York Times pointed out, was one of the architects of torture at Guantanamo in the Bush-Cheney years as a young lawyer. He's brought that same sensitivity and sensibility to Florida, and now he wants to bring it to the nation, banning books, burning witches. It's just the usual pathological Republican playbook. The one thing that that DeSantis has going for him, because he's boring, let's face it, he is really a snore. The guy is, he doesn't speak that for an attorney. He ought to be a little livelier. But putting that aside, the one thing he has going for him is he's not Trump. And I think Alicia may be right. Chris Christie is just come and gone from New Hampshire preaching the never Trump. Chris Sununu is the never Trump. Republicans may be waking up to the fact that Trump has led them to nothing but defeat. So there's that. But DeSantis has to stay extreme enough to attract the pathological Republicans who make up the activists. And that is going to be his challenge. How can he be Mr. Nice Guy and also be crazy enough for the Republican Party?
0: Let me follow up with a question to you so what you're basically saying is the difference here versus say 2016 is that there's enough of a anti-trump it's mood in the republican party this was delicious it's trump that, fatigue. that trump fatigue that despite his core of support whatever it is about a third of the republican party that will never it may be more that will never depart him will That DeSantis is best positioned. He is the best Trump alternative, the kind of Fox News anointed Trump alternative, and all he has to do is not screw that up and keep himself reasonably positioned as an alternative. So here's a question for you as a Democrat, as a Democratic political leader. What should Democrats be rooting for here? Because I'm picking up two different threads of thought on Twitter, which, I mean, the idea that there's thought on Twitter is itself. Oxymoron? Yeah. Yes. One, One camp is we should be rooting for Donald Trump because he's so crazy. He can't win. We've seen this movie in 2020. We've seen this movie in 2022. That is our best bet. We want Trump to prevail because he'll drag the whole Republican Party down with him. The other thread of thought, and some of this has shown up in like the op-ed pages of the New York Times as well, is no, root for Ron DeSantis. He is the most plausible guy to defeat Donald Trump, and we have to defeat him at all costs because if Donald Trump is somehow reelected and there's a chance, then there's a very real chance of the end of the country. And even if it's a lower likelihood, that you'd elect a Donald Trump as the Republican nominee, the consequences are so grave and so dangerous that you've got to root for DeSantis. Paul Hodes, former congressman, who are you rooting for? Who should Democrats be rooting for?
1: What a Hobson's choice. Crazy or crazier? Bad or badlier?
2: In defense of DeSantis, I think to compare. Trump and DeSantis with the word crazy doesn't fit. You can disagree with his politics, you can think DeSantis's politics are crazy. You can consider right-wing efforts of policy, if he's president, to be damaging to the country. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about a different breed of crazy, a nefarious, dangerous breed of crazy. I don't think anyone actually thinks Ron DeSantis, who is a decorated military veteran, that's not the same kind of crazy. I don't think Ron DeSantis is crazy. But if you think he's crazy politically, that's fine.
1: Let me admit that you're right. I conflated Crazy with crazy politics for DeSantis. I agree with you, Alicia. You've made a good point. He's not in the same league of crazy.
0: As Donald Biden. Trump presents a clear and present danger to the continued existence of the United States. I agree. Ron DeSantis, even if you find his politics extremely conservative and crazy from that standpoint, I don't, th- no one here is arguing that if he were elected, he would foment an insurrection. He would push the big lie. He would destroy the judiciary branch of the government. He would say, we have to terminate the constitution. He would try to bomb Mexico. He, like, he would operate as a very conservative, but a much more conventional president of the United States.
1: I agree. I think that's the current evidence. But once in office, I think all bets are off for DeSantis.
0: So- Bottom line is this panel is saying, hey, Democrats, we get it. You want to win. But you can't, you, Paul's point is that the risk of a Trump victory, you can't take it. it. It's too high. You can't take it as a foregone conclusion. And for the welfare, well-being of the United States of America and its people, you have got to be rooting for DeSantis here, even though you think he's a political schmuck.
2: Well, I think that's true, but is anybody actually going to do that? And I'm not talking about Joe Voter. I'm talking about the people that prop up candidates and promote them. They're going to promote who they think they can beat best. Now, what the Democrats should be doing, not that they want my advice is I don't understand this. 1 in 4 Democrats, 1 in 4 want Biden to run for re-election. 75% do not. They know he has a chance of being vulnerable. Why aren't they talking to him to push him out? You want who's the only person that Donald Trump could potentially beat? Joe Biden. Because there's not even any excitement from his own base for him. And you need more excitement generates votes, generates people out to the polls, gets the independence on your side. You I disagree. But math. But <laughs> math. I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to pick a nit with you there, Alicia. Pick because a nit. I heard this story from the Bernie folks in 2020. I heard this over and over again. Biden can't win. He doesn't excite progressives. But It's like, all right, I get that you're super duper excited, but you still only get one vote.
2: Progressives are going to vote for the Democrat every time, unless there's a third party on the ticket, obviously. Progressives vote for every time. But they're not the ones that make the decision. Conservatives don't make the decision in a general election. Middle America, soft D, soft Rs, and those who are undeclared and independent make the decisions because it's the swing states that determine it all. Somebody's got to excite them or anger them to get them to the polls. And Biden doesn't do that. If I'm a Democrat, I am praying that he says, I'm going to go to my Delaware Beach House. You're right. And someone I- else can step to the plate.
0: I think that there is sufficient evidence at this point that people are not motivated to turn out based on the inspiration of their own candidate. That day is gone. I saw I last saw it in 2008 with Hope and Change, Barack Obama. That was the last time I saw a candidate that people were inspired to support. Since then, it's all been Motivation out of fear of the other or the other guy.
1: Who's the least who's the least harmful alternative?
0: Let me ask one final question on this topic. There's the specter here of the collective action problem. What played out in 2016 was it's the old joke about the two let's just make them guys because guys are dumber, So that works better for the joke. There are two guys in the woods, they come across a bear, one guy starts running, the other one says, Hey, dummy. What are you doing? You can't outrun a bear. And the first guy yells back over his shoulder, "I don't have to outrun the bear. I have to outrun you." And so, we saw this in the Republican primary in 2016. Everyone was vying to be the last one standing. They wanted someone else to go up against Donald Trump. We want they wanted that to be a murder-suicide pact and for them to be the last one left standing. Ted Cruz occupied that position. It didn't help him. It didn't work. Everyone was too afraid to go after Donald Trump. And Politico this morning raised the prospect Let, like, are we going to see this again, especially if DeSantis fizzles and really doesn't have the gumption to go after Trump? Are they all just going to hang back and vie to be the last one standing if Trump implodes or if two of them go after each other? Are we going to see the same thing here? Let's take a break. We'll be right
2: back. I hope not. Trump is not going to implode. Even if Trump implodes, Trump is not going to implode. He's going to have that 28, 30 percent of people if he is indicted, if he is arrested, if he is whatever, he is going to have those people. Nothing will make them leave his side. Therefore, Trump cannot implode in a way that would be politically beneficial. His opponents should stand strong. I wouldn't say go after him. I think a lot of us are just tired of people going after people. But get out there, be tough. If you're asked about Trump, say what you think about Trump without calling people names. This is what the majority of Republicans are looking for and want. And the only path to victory for somebody who's going to be in a pretty... This is not going to be a DeSantis-Trump race. It's going to be a wider field. And that's... That That's just the reality. You've got to find a way to not wait for him to implode and stand back, because if you do, he's just going to walk into the nomination.
0: All right, fair enough. I want to hit two more topics before we wrap up. Yesterday, I did an interview with the former Associated Press Mideast editor. Dan Perry from on the ground in Jerusalem he described in real time what was going on how riots were breaking out around him the country still seems to be devolving into chaos Netanyahu tries to push through a takeover of the judiciary which Paul you are a close observer of Israel you had the distinction of being a U.S Congressman who's also Jewish and when you're a Jewish U.S congressman, Um, Everyone expects that you're going to have a position on Israel. You actually really did in a very thoughtful way. What are you seeing there and what parallels are you seeing to the situation here?
1: Unfortunately, the government of Israel is now controlled by the same kind of right-wing cabal that we had when we had Trump in office. There are just people who are extremists now and pushing Netanyahu who's himself, he's been indicted, he's been charged with corruption. It's causing great pain in the American Jewish community because of love for Israel and a real Israel has been a paragon of democracy. Netanyahu has now said he's going to compromise, but who knows what that looks like. It's a really challenging situation. And Netanyahu is, I think, not the right leader at this time. Israel.
0: There's been this concern that the situation in Israel has fundamentally torn apart the support in the democratic party yeah. among american jews do you see that is that are you increasingly concerned about that
1: the democrats have already been dealing with the bds movement and the far left anger with israel over its poli- over its policies and its treatment of the palestinian people so we're we're already dealing with all of that this adds fuel to the fire and it it's a threat to the cohesive support for israel
2: It's scary what's going on in Israel. The Netanyahu government wants to take more of a level of control over the judiciary and overhaul it so that they don't have what we enjoy in America, which is a separation of the branches of government and powers. And there's theory that Netanyahu wants to do that because of what you mentioned, he's up on corruption charges. And if he controls the judiciary, he may not be found guilty. The protests are serious. I read this morning that Military members are simply not showing up for duty as a form of protest that could put Israel in danger if they don't have armed forces. They are in constant fights. They are a little island in the middle of the Middle East surrounded by people that hate them. So I think this could escalate. And fortunately, I hear Netanyahu put a pause on the plans to reform the judiciary because he, quote unquote, didn't want a civil war. So let's hope the pause maintains. But it certainly does make American efforts and support a little murky at the moment.
0: Let's do one more topic real quick. Paul, you wanted to talk about rainbows.
2: <clears> we <throat>
1: Wisconsin. The first graders were getting ready to do a concert. First graders, we're going to do a rendition of a Miley Cyrus Dolly Parton song called Rainbow Land. Well, Wikasha, Wisconsin had already considered banning the Muppets Rainbow song because, as everybody knows, rainbows mean diversity and equality and threaten support. For LGBTQ plus persons. And we can't have any of that in our schools. Who knows what's going to happen to the first graders if they're allowed to sing Rainbow Land by Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton. So it was excised from the program, removed, although they'd already been in rehearsals. The parents were upset because the children were getting ready and loved that song. But heaven forfend. That anybody sing about rainbows, lest it promote diversity and equality and somehow turn everybody into an LGBTQ plus adherent supporter or follower of that.
2: I'm going, I totally disagree with you on this. First of all, I love Dolly. I'm actually not embarrassed to say I've been to Dollywood and Pigeon Pigeon Ford, and I urge everyone to go at some point because who would it's a whole be lot embarrassed about happy? that? No, I, I love Dollywood. Who's against yeah. Dolly Parton? Well, people, they monster. make fun of me. You actually oh, went to, um, yeah, of course I went to Dollywood. It was awesome. She's Love it. fan of American music. She's, I, I, oh, she I, is.
0: I can't think of a single person who's against Dolly Parton on earth.
2: What's wrong I hope with not. people? If there is, there's something wrong with you person out there. There can only be one, but if there is. But here's the thing. I'm totally with the school administration on this one. Let's back up. This is a song about how wonderful the world is. Let me read you some lyrics from this song. I'd be lying if I said this was fine, all the hurt and hate going on here. Let me remind you, these are six-year-olds. Why are six-year-olds singing about hurt and hate? Six year olds should not be singing about hurt and hate. And when it comes to the rainbow, anyone who thinks it was an agenda driven, here's the teacher about the rainbow. These confusing messages about rainbows are ultimately creating a culture that seems unsafe towards queer people. Why are we confusing six year olds about rainbows? The only thing a kid should know about a rainbow is, is that magical thing in the sky, most likely created by flatulence of a unicorn and potentially with a pot of gold at the end of it, if you believe in leprechauns. Nothing uh, did, else. There should be you no know. political agenda.
0: Did you know that if you can actually trace a rainbow down to the ground, to its source, you do get a pot of gay? Do you? Yes.
2: Wait, if you go to the other side, you get the pot of gold?
1: No more rainbows in the United States. Not in the sky, not in our classrooms, not on the lips of our singers. Give it up, people. Rainbows are done. They're over. They're banned because it's going to make everybody a
0: communist.
2: I don't care about the gay factor. I'd be livid if my little six-year-olds up there talking about hate and harm about anything at a happy little concert. They're six, for the love of God.
0: It's true that harm has become the most overused word in our culture. It's it does a lot of work in a lot of sentences. All yeah. right, look. Speaking of doing a lot of work in a lot of sentences, we have gone on an awful long time mm-hmm. here. Our mm-hmm. editors in the back studio are Rainbow going to be. Rainbow
2: connection. Letters, 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 for me. This show must um, end.